are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. We continue our series that we began last week called The Pursuit of Holiness. And what we uncovered last week, I hope that you were able to listen. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week or weren't here last week, I encourage you to uh, do that, to listen to that. We offer a lot of different ways that you can listen to messages and and lessons uh, through our podcast online. You can even call a 800 number or some number, and you can call and listen to the last message that was preached. So there's a lot of ways, but I would encourage you to uh, listen last week if you were not able to, because it really sets the tone and sets really the parameters for everything else we're going to talk about. But what we discovered was that holiness is a big deal in Scripture. Holiness is a big deal in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Sounds like a a big deal. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And I hope you'll take notes tonight and grab your Bibles. We're going to continue on this subject. The first thing that we understood about true holiness is true holiness comes from and only comes from God. True holiness comes from and only comes from God. God is the source of holiness. Why is that? Because God is holy. God is holy. Holy being separate being set apart, we realize that God is set apart from us. He is not like us, and so God is holy. We realize our worship to God begins with the understanding of the beauty of His holiness, His separateness, His uh, sacredness. Psalm chapter 29, verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So our worship even begins with this idea of the holiness of God. We discuss that God is holy and set apart from us because God is sovereign, God is faithful. And God is loving. And God's holiness is seen in his sovereignty. In Isaiah chapter 44, we read this passage. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. God is God all by himself. He he is sovereign, and therefore we can say that he is holy. God's holiness is seen in his faithfulness, his ability to keep his word. God says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. 
And so God is not a man that he should lie. How many know some liars? It's because you know people. We have liars here in the church, scattered all through this building. Liars everywhere. But God is not a man that he should lie. God's holiness is seen in his faithfulness. Then God's holiness is seen in his love. God's love is not like our love. His love is different. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. And so God's holiness is seen in his love. We don't love like that. We love for good people. We love for righteous people, but we don't love for the sinner. And God's love is seen, or God's holiness is seen in his love. The second major aspect I want us to grasp in this concept of holiness, in the pursuit of holiness, is that while we understand that God is holy, we should also understand that we are not holy. This may seem simple or an unnecessary point. However, it is precisely this understanding of ourselves that sets us up for us to have the opportunity to become holy or to become perfect, mature, or complete. You think that you are able to achieve holiness on your own or without God, you are very misguided. Isaiah 64 tells us, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like Filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We are not capable without God to be holy. I want to consider Moses tonight. Moses finds himself an outcast, a nobody, trying to figure out his sense of worth and identity. He tried to help the children of Israel. You know, he became, uh, was raised in Pharaoh's house, and he sees a, an Egyptian beating uh, an Israelite, and he attempts to intervene, and then he ends up killing a man, and he becomes an outcast. Exodus chapter 3 tells us this very familiar story, if you've grown up around Christianity, the story of Moses and the burning bush. Says now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he's not only an outcast from Egypt, he's also on the backside of a desert. He's in really no man's land. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. From the midst of a bush, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. 
Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. He's trying to make sense of this. This is an unnatural happening. He's out there. He's seen plenty of wildfires. But this one is not making sense because the, the bush is not burning up. And so it says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, God said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Let's unpack this a little bit. A holy God appears to an unholy man. We understand the holiness of God in this story because God says, do not draw near this place in your current condition. Don't come near this place. It's, it's too different from you. I, a holy God, have made resident here and you, an old unholy man, cannot step where I am because the holy and the unholy can't merge. And so really, he's telling Moses, you're not worthy to get any closer than what you are at this point. Do not draw near this place. It was a statement of inadequacy. You are not worthy, Moses. So much so... You are not worthy that the dirt is holier than you. The very ground was holy, but you're not worthy to step on this ground. So if you and I ever feel like we're unworthy, we're probably in good company. But in this exchange we find something absolutely beautiful. A holy God does not just express the obvious difference of his glory and his power and his divine holiness versus the paltry human holiness. He's not just picking out the obvious in Moses, but God does something extraordinary. He invites Moses to be holy. God does this when we see that Moses looked towards the bush. He's looking at it. He's just going through his life. But when God knew he had his attention, he invites Moses. And it was an invitation to not just look at a burning bush, but it was an invitation to actually become holy. And he says, do not draw near this place, but take your sandals off your feet. I'm going to change the situation here a little bit, and I'm going to allow you to approach, but you've got to take the sandals off your feet. Why? Because the place where you stand is actually holy ground. God's inviting him to this holy place. God does not want us to just 
observe his holiness and think, wow, that's miraculous. But wow, that's not me. No, God wants to show us his holiness and invite us to be partakers of his holiness. Can I tell you today, you are invited to not just be saved, you are invited to be transformed. You're invited to have your life transformed by a holy God. You're invited into an inner circle to say that you are holy. It's a little bit uncomfortable when somebody says you are holy. I know Charlotte says that to Nathan a lot, but most of us don't experience that. People don't walk around and call us holy, but God, I want us to understand, God invites us to be holy. Moses would go on to be responsible to share the opportunity of being holy to God's people. It would be Moses who would receive the law directly from God and be responsible to speak it to the people of God. And eight times in the book of Leviticus, in the law alone, God tells the people, be holy as I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. Why would he say that? Because he believes it's possible, but it's not possible without him. So it would be the Apostle Peter who would connect the dots to our experience with God in the New Testament. Peter writes to a church who has repented, been baptized, received the Holy Spirit, and he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You and I are invited to be holy. What an invitation. And like Moses, we are invited to be holy. An invitation to be under the rule of his sovereignty. To be under the rule of his grace. That's powerful. Under the rule of grace. And his sovereignty. An invitation to take advantage of his faithfulness. To take advantage of the promises in the word of God. To be holy. An invitation to take advantage of the experience of the full measure of his love towards us. His mercy endures forever. And we are invited to be holy. So how can the unholy become holy? God tells Moses that the ground is holy. Why was the ground holy? Ground by God's own judgment and word was not holy. In fact, The ground in Genesis chapter 3 was cursed. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. It would be in Genesis chapter 5 that he called his name Noah, saying, this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. 
Because of Adam and Eve's, Eve's sin, God cursed the ground. However, when God shows up in Moses' world, the ground becomes holy. Why? Because it's covered in the presence of God. The fire of God's presence allowed it to go from a curse to something that was holy. And it should not be lost on us that when they received the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts for the first time, it was accompanied by fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where, where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What happened when they received the Holy Spirit? A holy God showed up into a cursed ground and he made what was cursed. He made a man which had no hope without him. He made a man which was scheduled for death, a, a holy thing. Oh, hallelujah. A holy God showed up to an unholy humanity and what God's fire and God's presence touches becomes holy. We can almost overlook the idea and it sometimes gets lost in our vernacular, but the idea that the spirit of, spirit of God is referred to as what? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It sets us on a path to allow us to live a holy life. You are given a holy spirit to change you from something that was cursed to something that was blessed. You were meant to live holy. So how can what is unholy become holy? We find that Moses is invited to interact with a holy God. But what does he have to do? He must remove what separates him from the ground that has been made holy. Take off your shoes. In other words, he must humble himself. He must remove what was created by humanity that was meant to be his own protection. He must remove the very thing that was man-made to create his own cleanliness. And he must remove it and stand there connected to a holy God and holy ground. And herein we find the important principle for us to be able to live a holy life. How can we live a holy life? Can I tell you today, it's very simple. We are made holy through humility. That's the only way we're going to live a holy life, is through humility. We must remove the thinking in our life that is carnal. We must remove the desires in our lives that are fleshly. We must eliminate the things in our life that are keeping us from experiencing the full measure of the holiness of God. We must remove our sandals, that barrier between us and the true holiness of God. We realize the incredible holiness of God. 
And Isaiah gives us this idea of the holiness of God in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Where was he? High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it, seraphims, each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. What a picture of holiness, his highness, his differentness than us. He's high. He's lifted up. That's how Isaiah saw him. He saw him in his holiness. It was heavy. It was present. So what was Isaiah's response? He said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because when we get a glimpse of the holiness of God, we realize how insufficient we really are. There is no pride to be had when you realize the true measure of the holiness of God. There's nothing about us that can stand in pride and say, look what I've done. When you measure the holiness and the greatness of God. And so he said, woe is me because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. When we really get a glimpse of the holiness of God, it humbles us every time. Anytime that we find pride in our life, Somehow we have shielded the holiness of God. We have shielded his sovereignty. We have shielded his faithfulness. Or we have shielded his love towards us. Because it's impossible. It's impossible to see a true glimpse of his holiness. And to somehow feel like you are somebody significant without God. So Isaiah, the prophet, he writes, then one of the seraphims flew to me. After I said, I'm, a, I'm undone, I'm nothing. He said, he flew to me and in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the altar. It was burning. And what did he do? And he touched my mouth with it. The fire touched the unholy. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken and your sin is purged. Isaiah was made holy through a God because of his attitude of humility. We are made holy through humility. And I will contend that humility is the single most important attribute anyone will strive to live out. Humility is how we live extravagantly. And we love extravagantly. We give generously. And we live selflessly. Humility enables us to live as Christ loved. And I would contend pride is our greatest enemy. Pride is your greatest enemy. Pride shows up in a lot of places. 
doesn't just show up in the fact of the look at me syndrome. It shows up in fear. Pride shows up in fear. It shows up in hate. It shows up in our covetousness. Because when we covet, we take away the sovereignty of God in our life. It shows up in all kinds of places. Pride is your greatest enemy. And the holiest, most powerful voice that ever spoke described himself as meek and lowly in heart. And we cannot overstate the humility of Christ. And we cannot overstate the necessity of humility to experience a holy God and to live a holy life. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We realize our holiness is the product of grace. Holiness is the product of grace. Grace, that unmerited favor. Holiness is the product of God's willingness to love us in spite of ourselves. And we understand that grace is only for the humble. Verse Peter 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. I, I hope I do that. I hope the younger, they do that. They should submit to me as their elder. But it says, yes, all of you. Well, stink. That first part was much better. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For why? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. All your care, because he's sovereign. He's holy, he's faithful, he's loving. So I humble myself before God. That's how I have the opportunity to be holy. Francis Frangipan said that humility is the substructure of transformation. It is the essence of all virtues. Humility is the substructure of transformation. It is the essence of all virtues. So Isaiah would write, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. God is inviting us. God is calling us to be holy. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? Because he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens 
are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. God is holy. And he knows what's best for our lives. And so we're called, we're invited to walk a holy life because we have been set free by a holy God and empowered by his Holy Spirit. The highway to holiness begins with first our understanding and then our complete surrender to a holy God. Isaiah 35, verse 8. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Oh, hallelujah. Not natural brute power. Not personal ability that gets you on the road. You can be a fool. You can be crazy. And I'll say... A little ignorant. I won't say stupid, or I want to. The Bible says stupid in certain versions, so. <laughs> Whoever walks the road, although a fool, although not very smart, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there. No ravenous beast shall go up, shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall be there. Those who have accepted the holiness of God, those who have been bought with his blood and have allowed him to be sovereign in their life, those who have allowed him to be faithful in in their life, those who have accepted the love of God in their life, they shall be there because they're redeemed. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want to be on the highway to holiness. As we conclude for tonight, I want to give you a question to ask the person next to you. I want you to ask them, how holy are you? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) How holy do you really think you are? No, I want you to tell of a time in your life where you had to humble yourself to God. Tell of a time in your life that you had to humble yourself to God. Maybe describe what was most difficult about that or describe and describe the benefit of that. Or if you'd like this question, why do you think God wants us to be holy? Why do you think God wants us to be holy? So you've got a few minutes here. I want you to take a moment and talk about how holy you are. 
All right, you bunch of holier-than-thou people. Why don't we stand tonight? Most of us can look back on moments in our life where we've had to humble ourselves before the Lord, whether it's our own mistakes or it's just in the beginning of finding God, knowing God. You, you really have to humble yourself. But to stay on that road, that highway of living a holy life, it requires humility every day because pride, pride is like that awful weed that never stops trying to come forth in our life. And it always will, always will. I want to read this passage in closing, Revelation 22. I'm always, I feel comforted by the coming of the Lord, the idea of heaven. And as we've looked at this subject in the pursuit of a holy God, I want to read Revelation 22. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation, nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. No more curse. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The holiness of God. Dropping down to verse number 12. And behold, he said, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who do his commandments, who live holy. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie, the unholy. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and bright, the bright and the morning star. You see that dichotomy of the unholy and the holy, that picture. But then it says, and the spirit and the bride said, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. You and I are invited to live a holy life in spite of our unholiness. And we should be grateful every day you are invited to be holy. I want us to pray together. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, God, for just being able to know God and understand that while you are holy and you are separate from us, God, you desire to make us a part of what you're doing, to make us holy, to make us righteous. God, I pray that as we continue to pursue a walk with you, that we would humble ourselves. We would humble ourselves to every aspect of your word. 
there would be nothing in our life that would be hidden, nothing in our life that would be kept away from your holiness. Lord, we thank you, God, for your willingness to redeem us, to set us free, to make us holy. We're unworthy in and of itself, but Lord, we're thankful that your grace, your grace helps us, your grace calls us. Thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit that makes us holy. In the name of Jesus, I pray we would walk in your favor, walk in your love, and walk in your holiness for the rest of this week. In the name of Jesus, bring us back Sunday for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.